Hello everybody and welcome to the Billy Moore Podcast. And today's special guest is Brian Crichton, aka the Big Bad Wolf. How are you, Brian? I'm good, I'm good, thanks, yeah. Thank you for coming along. Make sure you speak into that mic, please, Brian, so we can get the full effect of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) The Big Bad Wolf. So tell us a little bit about yourself, because not only have you fought in MMA, you've you know, you've been in the army for a number of years. Yeah, it's a, my life's a chapter. I, will, I could write a book, possibly. Mm. So I was in the army for 10 years. Before that, I went to college. And then coming to MMA, in Thai boxing, boxing. I've been for qualifiers for the Taekwondo Olympics. So I've, I've done a vast array of things. So tell us, let's start from the beginning then. Right, growing up. What was your life for you? So I had a good life. Um, lived in Kirby. My mum and dad, my two sisters. So like every kid, you're into everything, you're going round. And I, when my mate were, go, mates were going into the weed, as it happens, and bongs, I started going to Thai boxing. I found a little bit of a love. I got a black belt at Jiu-Jitsu when I was 12, started when I was six. Mm. And then from there, I moved on to the Thai boxing. And then Thai boxing's kind of become my life all throughout my childhood. And then from there, I went to, went to go to university. My mum, old school mum, oh, you're going to get into um, loads of debt. You don't want to go to university. Mm. So I joined the army to box. And then joined the Paris at first. I failed on my back, on P Company. My back, just like a week back, went in, gave in. And um, funny enough, we were on the, we were on the 20 mile. So you do a 20 mile tab in four hours. And I come off, I come off on the first mile, up the hill. A big, massive mountain, I call it the hill. Yeah. So my, my back went, and as he said, Crichton, get up there, number six. I said, but he pushed me up because I was I was doing all right in P Company. I was scheduled to pass, so I thought if I do pass this, I'm in. And as he pushed me up, I, I felt I felt like about 40, 40 me forty yards down the um, hill, and he picked me up, and my back back and my legs went. So I picked the bergen up, and then from there, my journey started going to rehab for to get me back better in ITC. Yeah. And then it, I had a, I had two options then. I could either go for another um, P company selection, or my dad was a kid in the Kings, or transfer over to the Kings, which is a boxing regiment, and I know I could box. Yeah. So that was that was the natural progression for me. Jimmy Neary boxed for the Kings, didn't he? Yeah, there's you know, a few, yeah. My brother was uh, a coach for the Kings, well, he was in RSM when he left mm. the Kings. Um, he was in Germany, based in Osnabrück, yeah. for the, over well, the decade. My dad was based there as well. Yeah, he was based in Osnabrück, that's the first place he ever went to when mm. um, I went abroad. Never left the country, and the first place I went to was Osnabrück. Yeah, flew into Munster, and um, I loved it. Germany, I loved the uh, I loved the landscape. My like. dad, dad always talks about Germany, what what it was like, and growing up when he was in the army and he went to Northern Ireland. Yeah. So it was kind of he was passing the torch down through the family. So I didn't understand war, and then we got called to go to Afghanistan. Yeah, well, we've had we've got a family history of like. Um, Soldiers like you know, my uncle and my cousins were in the Paris three pad and all the shots. Yeah. Uh, I remember my uncle Freddie taking me up to, to all the shots when I was a kid. I must have been about I, I can't about 10 11, you know what I mean. And we went across that assault course. <laughs> I remember there's the, this big plane was outside, outside it was the Dakota, all World War Two, right? Okay, yeah, plane that was there, and you know, yeah, I enjoyed the experience, but yeah, this whole my brother joined the army. Kings like yourself. Did you go to war? Yes, I went to war. Funny enough, the first, just taking you back when I first joined, have you seen like, um, not, I'd say full metal jacket. So me mates, um, Miguel's brother, funny enough, Thomas, he said to me, be ready when you get to these kingos, they're animals. Yeah. So I didn't think, I thought, I can fight, I can handle myself. And he said, no, I'm telling you, these are animals. So passed out, got me um, post in Cyprus. Got there and um, the first I got there in the night, the first night I got there, no word of a lie, it was a, a lad shitting on. Can I swear? Yeah. There's a lad um, shitting on 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 the, on the window screen of a car. Another one walking around naked with two bottles of whiskey in his hand, and then another lad, two lads fighting naked again. I thought, very fucking right, like saying this. So that was my first experience. And then next day it was all settled down, and that's where I kind of found my feet in the boxing. Then. Yeah. Did you enjoy boxing in the army? I lived a life. I was a tractor soldier. Yeah. And then from there, I was Thai boxing through the, for the army. Was it, yeah? Yeah. So the, the actual come out, I won a world title. 
through the army in, in Civvy Street when they all come out they used to drum me out yeah. and then the same with MMA the bagpipers bag, get bagpiped out so it was kind of like I've had the best of both worlds and then yeah. going to war was a, a different whole different story again tell us about your experience because you, you know what right I've known you for a few years now Brian mm. you know, you're a very likeable kid um, and we, we spoke in depth about a few things you know you've 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 fought in MMA competitions, you train like a, like, yeah. like an animal, you know, uh, for next to nothing, really. Literally next to for, nothing. For nothing. So yeah. you, you said you could talk about this stuff as we go on. We'll, we'll catch up with that mm. in a bit. You know, you talked about war. Um, I'd like you to talk about that and then it's what happened. In, yeah, lead so on to that. The first, first port of call when we, we, were, doing, we were on pre, pre-deployment training, TRB, Theatre Reserve. Um, that was in Cyprus, and we, all, we were on court standby to go straight away. Straight away, you have to go to Afghanistan from Cyprus to Afghanistan. It's it's a it's a quick run rather yeah. than going from England as we were the ready regiment to go. And then from there, um, the first call we all had to do our death letters. So a death letter is basically you're writing to say to someone like you're not coming back. And he was four, I was twenty at the time. My two mates were eighteen. And we were all sitting in the cupboards, like in each of us in the individual cupboards in yeah. our rooms, kicked, put all the beds into the centre, and we had to think, love, like, how do you write to someone that you, you you're not coming back? You come back in a yeah. box, or you coming back in bits? Oh, you don't 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 come back at all. So, I I I wrote on my note that we made to show us pages of letters, and I the first one I wrote more to my mum and dad. Then I could write to me now wife. Yeah. And um, it was four pages like about who should they give me Xbox to, who should they give the PlayStation to, who's um, who's got the right to the room because of the family. And to me, Gail, that was the hardest one. Yeah. And I was on the phone to her crying my eyes out, thinking, This could be the last call and all I could write was I love you. And then after that it's a dot dot dot. And I, and I said, I'll be back. And I was open, that was that would be the last letter. So um Come the next day, we're going to Afghanistan. So we're all in line on the Pantex. Get a phone call, Crichton's not going. So all my mates were like ready to go, Crichton's not going. Sergeant Major calls me into the office saying, you're going to get your wisdom tooth out? I was like, there's nothing wrong with my teeth. He said, no, you're going to get your teeth out. I was like, if you look at the line of men, I've trained, trained with them. I'm going to fight with them, side by side. He said, no, you know. You're going to get your wisdom too far. So the next minute, I seen this lad running across. And he's one of my good mates. I was in college with him. Yeah. Don't bridge me. And he said, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing, mate? And he goes to me, oh, I volunteered. I went, why have you volunteered? He said, someone's going to go and get the teeth out. So I've got to step into the place. Yeah. So I was like, didn't say nothing. Ran straight across to the dentist and it was me. And then um, I was in the dentist, um, here's me with the dent signing a waiver for the dentist to say if I snap your jaw, um, it's okay, it's the army's thing. Pop him, put his foot on my chest, got me wisdom tooth out. By the time I come back, they already left to go to Afghanistan. One of my mates who become the sergeant um, of the company, Stephen Farry, he went to Afghan. He only, it's only when he come home, John Bridgman died, he was shot in the neck. I was the only one to come from the regiment and give them like a plaque to say thank you. And um, to his mum, mm. and his mum said to me, "Go on, go in the living room. I know what you would want to look at." And I said, "What?" And she said, um, "Where where he's been shot in the neck." And I was like, thinking, how oh, she just read my mind, and she said, "I know it could have been you. They've spoke about you and what 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 what's happened." Is this the kid that volunteered in your place? Yeah. So that was one of the it was big one of the things when you war like it's con it's a concept of thinking. I wonder what ifs and whys and yeah. a lot of things you think about and then so from there I went on the boxing team with, with this tooth out it was just an excuse in my eyes because the armies they always make things you, you're just a pawn yeah. and they'll move you around to say where you need to go so what was convenient for them they'll just move you so they used me as a poster boy yeah. to put me into the boxing team advertise me through fighting so it looks good in their behalf but deep down I wanted to go to war. That was I was trained, trained to go to war. And so the second time I was on the army boxing team in Aldershot, um, doing well with the boxing, boxing with the combined services, going round London touring, and basically living the life as a professional boxer 
as an amateur in the army. Yeah. And then what the, got a phone call, the regiment, is Crichton there. And so come up, Crichton, you, you wanted through the, the halls. I said, yeah, he said, um, you've been called back to battalion. I knew we were going back to Afghanistan. And he said, the lads are saying um, in the boxing team, because you're with a whole different amount of regiments. Some are engineers, some are RAF. Yeah. Not, sorry, some are engineers, some are Remy. So they're all over, they're, they're diverse. And, and you become good mates with everyone. And he said, do you want to go back? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Did you want to leave this? I was like, yeah. So I called, stayed back to Cyprus, um, just met up with the OC, the officer commanding the company. He said, do you want to go back? Um, you, you've come up at the time. I told my wife, a fiance at the time, that I was going over to do a, a potential junior NCO card. So that means like once you become a, you become a corporal, get your yeah. yak and you go through the ranks. I said to her, "I'm going in. I'm going this weekend. I'll be back next weekend." And she said, she looked at me and said, "No, you won't." And she didn't know either way. Yeah. And before you know it, I was on him on a plane going to Cyprus. So I met him in front of the OC, and he said, "Um." You're well known in the battalion to box. Do you want to come to site? Do you want to come to Afghanistan with the same men who's been deployed? And do you want to deploy with them? And the first words out of the mouth were like, fucking, too fucking right to do. Mm. And then after that, he said, What happens if you lose a leg? You can't box. I went, Well, I'm, I said, I'm small. I could always put a, um, a black foot on and look like a pirate and go into films. Yeah. So we started laughing at that. And then I said, On oh, one exception, if we do go to war, I want the G GPMG. So with GPMG, I'm five foot two. The GPM is like four point eight meters. General so purpose to, machine gun, yeah. yeah. The general, and I used to walk around with it and Afghan up to my shoulders, like. Was it heavy? No, it it was at the start, but then it becomes like a, a second arm. Yeah. So you just walking around with it, but it was just funny in the concept that I was the smallest there with the biggest gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So that after that we come back. Done, we lost. Was this in Kabul? No, Afghanistan. Okay. So we were on, along the Neb in um, checkpoints on PBs, patrol bases, and we were basically doing hearts and minds. So we're getting a load of scousers going into an unknown territory, we're going into marketplaces where they don't like you. You're not, you're not liked, but you're there to basically to say we're here to help. Mm. So what we've done was we used to get a haircut off the local barbers and you had to put, put like a, a cordon around the barbers and say, okay, do you want to get your hair? So one of us, I have to get the balls. So I just got a cuff throat and go. Go ahead, I'll get my ear cut by them. And then by that we would generate heart and mind, like giving the kids a bit of education, building infrastructure for them. Mm. So we were doing well, as, as well as the obvious fighting against the Taliban and yeah. going to like, having engagements with them. That to me, there's no better feeling in the world than getting shot at and putting the rounds down and basically the, the security and the heightened sense of adrenaline you've got just to go through it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I think fighting is the next best thing. So the fighting was my next drug, as I got addicted to fighting, yeah. You just got addicted to war? Yeah, got addicted to war, and then come back, um, I was back on the boxing team, transferred over to MMA, so I was just moving around, and then I never got the, um, you get like, a, it's like a care package. My care package was to solve my head, and, go straight to war, go yeah. straight to fighting. So fighting to me was war. And at the start, I didn't realize, but I was just masking something that wasn't, that was already there. Cause when you get like, it's called decompression and the army gave you 24 hours to get bladdered on camp. And they deem to think that that's necessary for you to, after spending nine months away to decompress for 24 hours and then okay, free to roam. Whereas with the way I see it, you, Dirty washing always comes out clean. Yeah. In in the army, you go in as a fresh bod. You come out like a different character. And no no matter what they say, whatever regiment you come in, you come out as a different person. There's, your brain has been tweaked that, that many times. You've been through like that many stress stress situations. You know, okay, I can handle this. I want to be the best. And that's why the army is so effective and how it works with people. So coming into Civvy Street, I was boxing, fighting, MMA at the time. Sorry, it was Thai boxing at the time. And my mentality was just to go through people, Thai boxing, wipe people out. So yeah, and then I realised that PTSD was setting in. And my mask was, um, funny enough, John Gillies, he's my coach. Yeah. 
the first time I went over to him, I said to him, do you want, who do you want smoking? And he says, I'd like you to come to the gym, you know, I haven't seen you for a while. And I said, no, who do you want smoking? He said, it's not your, it's not your type of people, you're not like that. Mm. And he says, so my girl was getting her, her eyebrows done, so was John, so we were talking. And he says, come back to the gym tomorrow, you know what he's like, and say the same thing. So we had a load of lads that I didn't know, all the trainers, and he said, like with his hand, come over here, tell me what what you what did you say to me yesterday? And I went, Who do you want smoking? And he goes, Walk out that door and come back in and say it again. I say you're gonna be a champion on the other end of it. And I went, Well, do you want me to run the champion now? And he goes, No, just walk out the door. So I come back into the door, he's got everyone standing there, and he goes, Say it, who do you want smoking? So they all start laughing at me. So I walk back out and I went to him. Do you want a champion? Do you want a fighter? And he goes, that's, that's the Brian I need to know. So I come back in then, and that's how my journey kind of, kind of started from there. So you got involved in like MA with John? And with John. So I was also with a coach called Sean Martin yeah. from Hammer. So he kind of, as soon as I come out the army, they kind of picked me up and like guided me through. I, I'd done a, podca- a podcast, I think it was um, or an interview on Channel 5, especially speaking about the same things. And then the truth and the realities, what what behind PTSD, because not many people see. There's there's different forms of PTSD, isn't there? There's yeah. different like, you know, people, you know, you're in PTSD, and you know, you're in a post traumatic, yeah, you know, environment, aren't you? So you know? most of the time with my wife, about three o'clock in the morning when I was in Afghan, I'll be on I'll be on guard, stag guard, and then in this life, I t- even to this day, a top and tail at three o'clock in the morning. Get yeah. up, check my watch, check the phone, out, and I'm tossing and turning. Because in my head, I've got to protect my surroundings and my family now. Whereas back then, it was protecting your mates, protecting the ones who were there. And now I'm in my head. I've got to, I've got to defend me. My house is my castle. Okay, yeah. You can attack, and there's no one there to be attacked. But then your brain's still thinking over over the time and over time again. Yeah, that's yeah. got to be a frightening place to be in. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I was diagnosed with PTSD when I come back from Thailand. I was in Bonsworth Prison. And I don't believe I did have any kind of like PTSD. Um, I kind of struggled a little bit with sort of replaying a few events that were quite scary and they were ongoing. Mm. But it wasn't affecting me, I don't believe. I think I've had that experience of um, going through the system as a kid from an early... Yeah. From a, and it was normal. Mm. So for me, to tell, tell you a story... And, and to look at the shock in your face, mm. like, as I'm telling you, yeah. I'm thinking, what's wrong with this kid here? Why is he looking yeah, like yeah. that? And you're like, are you okay? Yeah. And I think, well, what's fucking wrong with you? But in reality, I'm talking about someone stabbing himself in the neck and there's blood squirting everywhere. And mm. the first thing I want to do is get a coffee and I'm not really concerned about what's going yeah. on. You're it's always, like, it's, it's, a gla- it's a glare, isn't it? Yeah, it's like you're deflecting, Bill, you're this. And I thought, not really, it just it was there, it happened, and I'm okay with it now. I kind of, when I went to counselling for PTSD, when I went, I, they said, you need to stop fighting. And I said, fighting is like my release. Escape, yeah. So, but I was, I, I, there was one fight when I fought in, um, I think it was in London, in the O2, on Cage Warriors. I fit, put the finish the lad, and I hit him, and Sean and John were in the corner, and they both said, step back. So me, I wanted to feel pain, and I, I rushed in to let him choke me out. And then at the end, I was like, just, what do you do? You've, you've fucked up now. And then John was like, why have you just done that? And then it was hard to explain to them at the time because the men, mama yeah. man, you'd, you, wanted, you wanted to feel something a bit different. Like I wanted to feel like, the actual pain of the, you know, like the- And did you lose that fight? Yeah, I got, got choked out. Yeah. <laughs> just wanting to get five, that feeling? Yeah, five fights on the bounce, I was getting choked out. And I was always coming up with an excuse and the people were easily beatable. They were there to be beat. Just that I'd I'd make I wouldn't make it a mistake. I'd purposely put myself in the position yeah. to get choked out. And then it come to a point where John was like, This needs to stop. It's just, it needs to change, yeah. yeah. It needs to change. And my wife said, What are you doing to yourself? No, do you know what? Brian, I get exactly um, the feelings of well, you know, because you can hate me all day, mm-hmm. punches, you know, I can yeah. take a punch and, 
you know, but I couldn't take the um, the emotional punches. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, on the outside of the, the ring. Baggage that yeah. comes with it. Yeah, all that was kind of the pressure, the stress, the feelings, the emotional kind of like upheaval. Yeah, put me in the ring and punched the living daylights out of me, kicked the fuck out of me, and I was okay with that. Yeah, ha- it's like you feel happy to do that. Well, yeah. So anyway, that that got turned over and. John basically he's like, like a dad figure yeah, so five, that, yeah. five years older he dressed it and then he said spar me and then I sparred him and he only give me one dig and that was the end of it he said don't make me dig it again and he said if this happens again it's you're gone and then from there I went on a knockout spray I was just being knocking on everyone else so again it's the power of the mind Yeah. if you can believe it it's it's easily done you just have to go and go out and grasp it yeah I like John I like his yeah. I like his, uh, I like the way he goes about things. Yeah. You know. It's old school, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No messing about. No. It is what it is. We'll show it out. Gives you a pat on the back. That's yeah. all you get for yeah. a well done. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way you can't be sensitive around the likes of no. John and, and and the lads in there, which is it's it's good. You know, so you've been through a lot. Ten years in the army, mm-hmm. right? Going to war. Suffering with PTSD. You're out. You're involved in. Case what he is MMA. Yeah, you've got a new name now, the Big Bad Wolf. Yeah, pushing yeah. it forward. And pushing it forward. So, what was your um, what was your dreams? What was your what was your goals, Brian? Well, my aspirations was to get in the UFC. I had, I do you know what I was. I was in the world top one hundred at flyweight, and I'm, I might be small, but I'm very thick in stature. Right. I always struggle to make. You're a thick hombre, aren't you? You're a big yeah, thick yeah, hombre, big like. man. Yeah. <laughs> but I always struggle to make the weight and. That was my downfall, and then I had to put myself back in line again and say, how can I, if I want to do something good, I've got to commit 100%, there's no partying. So part of, like, with my life, yeah, it's so easy to go the opposite way, and my girl made me draw a straight line. She said, you have a stick to that, or you're going to end up straight. Yeah. And then that's what happened with me then, and then I stuck with John. If I went out to town, John, the doorman, said, nah, not tonight, lad. Yeah. And then next next door, not tonight, lad. And John would phone me and say, ah, oh, you can't get in anywhere, can you? And I'd be like, how do you know? He goes, got spies everywhere. He said, get home. And then after that, like, it was, it kind of, I enjoyed life again. Mm. I enjoyed competing for the sake of the love of the sport, not the fear to kill someone or the wanting to kill someone. Mm. Because to me, that's, that's fighting with anger. And if you fight with anger, you're going to lose you fight with your mind as in zen an open box <coughs> you're just gonna go right right through anyone yeah I, I always see you know when you see people who are angry they're screaming and they're full of all that testosterone and yeah. they're, they're, you just know that they're gonna make a lot of mistakes yeah that's it yeah because they're just gonna come at you like a bull mm. and all you've got to do is take a side step step off and i've, I've had i've had a few you know where i've disciplined through boxing mm. Where you've had to control that. It's not anger when it's boxing, it's an art, it's a sport, yeah. it's a skill. You know, you see the punches before they get thrown. You know, you it's watch nice it. to, with boxing, hit, yeah. not be it, counter. See, I, see I, I was taught a few things when I was um, Thai boxing in Thailand. Mm. It was, um, it was, it wasn't to look at the eyes, it was to look at the, it was the, the chest. Language, yeah. They read from here onwards mm. because the movements of the body dictated where you were going to get Thailand, it. In Thailand, like I learned it, like they say, be like a snake. Yeah. Just just don't um, creep you like and then snap and then crawl yourself back in and yeah. snap out. But them ties are hard. Yeah. I've been bingoed by a tie. Yeah. And then with the world championships. Beat Tyler, I beat Iran, beat beat China mm-hmm. and coming into the um, the last fight um, in Thailand and um, Warapong Nongting his name was. Yeah. So I come out, I was eighteen. First holiday I ever had was in the world championships. Yeah. And he I bladdered them with punches and all he used to do was walk walk straight ahead and elbow me yeah. I took one the second one he was a jumping knee and the third one was a right hand I was like what the fuck did that come from yeah then, it's, it's, yeah. it's difficult I was um, when I was over there I was I was sitting amongst guys talking with them mm. I learned a little bit of the language and they were sharing their experience and a little bit of information about keep away from it when, when they're close because I could box yeah. with a boxer as a kid so I had some skills there um, I learned I was a kick when I was over there but they said to me when you're getting in the ring with these, don't keep away from the clinches. 
because yeah. straight away the knees are coming in, the elbows. They're so short but so compact, and where do they throw them? Generate the power to leap, the, leap them knees in. I was, I was, I was just told to throw myself against them. I just yeah. put all my weight upon on them. Um, and bear hug them. Yeah, just bear yeah. them, but just keep them at a distance, and that's what I kept to do. I, I tended to do. I, I feared getting close. Yeah. I feared getting close because them knees are sharp and them elbows. And then you whip them elbows in. So half the time we still have a face like. Just, I think I think their guard is completely different from ours. Theirs is more yeah. where pushing yeah. it out. So yeah. Where's my you know ours is more this yeah. protecting the whole of your yeah. your head. So I kept that tight mm. as a guard, and I was quick with my hands. Never um, you know I used to watch them putting bottles, rubbing bottles up and down the shins. It's just a lad used to do that from Kirby, and mm. he used to smash him. Bottles on his shins, and he also used to um, no no mop poles. Yeah, whack them on his what shins. What happens is it causes it creates a callus on your shin, which yeah. is then hardens up. I'd rather kick a bag. I did try it. <laughs> I did try it for um, a couple of months, rubbing bottles up and down yeah. until he until he bled. Oh, bottle leg. Until he until he bled me, but you know you're getting kicked there. It's painful anyway. It's like yeah. bone on bone. Yeah. You know you can hit them with bamboo sticks, but you know so yeah, it is a tough sport. You've done you know you mixed martial arts. UFC, boxing, you've been around fighting all yeah. your life. You've been in the army, so your life. It's it's like a chapter after chapter. So and tell us a little bit about your career, Brian, because we spoke about this and, you know, for the, the time and the effort and the energy that you put into mm. to this, you were getting nothing back, was no, you? No. Um, so luckily enough, I got compensated coming out the army um, from death and my left ear. So what I'd done, I put all my money into houses. And then I was paying myself, I worked for a charity, I was paying myself a wage to fight as a professional full time. Yeah. Paying it, yourself a wage? Yeah, but prior to that I was on the taxis and that was just the hardest thing I've ever done was the taxis to be honest. Yeah. Thinking you've got routine and you're half scrapping with people, you're trying to, people are not going to pay rent to pay, pay the, the fares. So you, I thought this is not for me. Put me, paid myself to fight when this conversation come through. And then from there, I was living in the gym, training as a professional, paying myself a wage. But then when when you're getting fights, you're getting buttons, like we spoke about this last time. And yeah. You, you, for the hours you're putting in, you've got to pay, you've got to... Not Run us a price tag down, please, because the way you so broke my it down... So my price tag, um, I could say, i go off my last fight, if you want. Um, yeah. I was paying myself a wage to fight. I got beat in my last fight, I got a knee to the head, which didn't see you never see them knees so um i got 800 pounds 100 pounds was for food but when you go this was the fight in london and the that 100 pounds was in um, food was expenses you don't eat because you've got to lose weight so it's a bonus so you get, get 800 plus expenses 900 out of that 900 i had to pay 620 pounds for me my, my, my brain scan my medical so say 600 for, for just type then 200 pounds was my nutrition and then so i'm walking away with 200 pounds and then from that 200 pounds i still have to go on john would never take anything off me neither would any of the other trainers so I, for me as a as a person to say thank you i'd, I'd buy john like a pair of trainees so technically you're walking away with 100 pounds and then that's what i got so when i got all my money back i was like i'm 35 now this is going to the last one is is it worth putting my life on the line to do this but then so I've just started um, going and training with Darren Smith bodybuilding and then I'm thinking there's one last fight left in me there's always that one fight you're still young enough aren't you you know yeah. 35 you're in the prime now mm. right you're quite strong you, you've got to you know you're physically you know yeah. you look a little bit like um, what's his name Franco Colombo you've yeah, got well, that that's in that the, kind the of bodybuilding shape world. that's what I'd like to um, emulate because the way he's built and how he's it's kind of very similar yeah. but then in the fighting world it was like someone like Sean Sheik yeah. and he's called the muscle shit muscle tank so you're doing a lot of uh, bodybuilding now with Darren yeah Darren Schmidt. to be honest after the layoff after my last fight I've, I've stayed away from fighting fighting and it, it's been a god it's been a blessing but it's also been um, not, not as blessed as in I opened a company yeah. with my business, but never opened it. It was already existing. So I come on board with the company. Um, I learned how to, because of the army, I used to manage blokes when I used to 
they used to box and I used to coach the boxing team. Yeah. So you learn how to manage people and I just put all them transferable skills into the into life. Yeah. I know and I can now manage a company. I can do everything else with the inf infrastructure. The end product is what I don't have is the trade. And um, I'm a professional and then so with that is I, I've left the company now. I've left but I understand how to run a company now and even going through a company, I've, I've never been stressed out in my life. All my life, what I've been through, never been stressed. Going into a company, it's like getting blisters on your lips. I was like, this is not for me. So I closed that chapter in my book, i.e. I can run a company. I, I'd like to see what's offered in the next company now, or go and get a, a job with someone else. Yeah. Going. So my, my goal now is to go into property where I know I can understand that area of expertise. Yeah, development, property. Yeah. So. You've got, yeah, yeah, I believe you will do well in that area because you've got the discipline and, mm -hmm. like you said, the infrastructure and what's behind you, all them skills, all those transferable skills, which is um, which is beneficial. Yeah. You know, but you never miss, like, see, the fighting side of things. Yeah. Is it, is every it, day, every day I'm thinking. Oh, I do. Brian, even though, like, I've got to admit this, even though I'm, I'm at a certain age now where it's like, you know, you're past your prime, Bill. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking past me prime, yeah. me, mate. And I still believe I'm 25 and he has like, but yeah, I miss Every it. Every day I'm thinking, I'm fighting with myself, go go back to the gym. Yeah. And then I know if I go back to the gym, there's younger kids there. That's not the problem. There's older people there. That's yeah. not the problem. The problem is me. Um, my ego will come out and I'll go, whatever I'm work I'm doing, scrap that. I'll find a way to make money and train full time. And then... I put 12 weeks into a camp and then only get 900 pounds yeah. thinking is it worth it so i'm trying to i'm trying to find a happy medium in my life to say listen let's see how i can so i go and go back into fighting and the money's not there the money's yeah. not great you've got to be a one percent to make that ufc you've got to be a special kid and then even when you're in there it's not an easy ride you still you compete it's like the champions league in football, you're going against the best of the best, and then it's all about marketing. How you, how you, how you produce yourself. You're, you, you yourself are your own product. So you've only got like a, the, the, you know, not many in Liverpool that have made it. No. UFC Paddy. Darren Till. Darren Till, Paddy, Paddy the Paddy, Molly yeah. McCann. Yeah, they're they're, they're superstars now as yeah. well because they're so good at um, making themselves to be superstars and i think that's what you say they're the only threes you think that's that have come out of liverpool but well, there's there's, ooh, ooh, there's there's a lot of fighters that have been come through like paul cahoon day four yeah boom boom yeah. yeah and then there's um there's mark scanlon he was another one paul sass so terry etham so there's there's loads that have come through the ranks that have come through but yeah. just haven't got to that but all them are special fighters just to even get to the, the pinnacle to yeah. say you've been there you can you can brand yourself, Chris Fishgold. You can brand yourself on that then. So what? Um, how many fights did you you have? Uh, I have actually got a CV right there. Get it up. Place like to know how many fights you had, how many fights you won, how many fights you lost. So through. I've got a fighting CV. Just um, go through it. Martial arts background. I've had 129 fights. I've won 95, lost 34. Um, pro career is 11 wins, 8 losses. I go through it again. Um, a lot of lot of fights. Due to black belt boxing, I've had 36 wins, 36 fights. I've won 24, lost 11. Tie boxing, 70 bouts. Um, 70? Yeah. Not all, with, not all with A class, but there's still tie boxing bouts at the end of the day. I've won 54, lost 16. <laughs> I've gone for, I've wrestled for him. Um, Wrestled for England, not for England, sorry, for the White Club against Scotland in um, two weight divisions above me. And then I've gone for trials for the Olympics. Okay, for you've done a lot, haven't for you? For Taekwondo. For the young kid, like. So, for, as a Taekwondo, um, I went to see Dizzy Rascal the day before yeah. with Miguel. And I thought, you know what? You, you, I had a, a, an open invite to go and do it. Never done Taekwondo in my life. And he said to me, um, okay. By the look of you, you've done boxing and you tie boxing the tie boxing shorts on. I said, oh yeah. He said, give me all the armor, tie boxing, the taekwondo armor. And he said, we're just going to infringe you with the rules. Um, you, don't, you can't grab the legs, you can't sweep, you can't attack the legs. Mm. 
it's all kicking to the head. Scissor kicks, isn't it? Yeah, scissor kicks, um, one strike to the body. And so I fought this um, British champion, he come on, um, and he say, so I'm standing there like, kid from Kirby, just a nod on the head, and they say, oh no, bow, so you, you, got, you got a bow. And then they say, they say they get just like, yeah, mate, you're on guard. So I'm standing there like, like with my hands here, put your dukes up. And this kid's standing with his hands down. And next minute, he just front kicks me and puts me on my ass. <laughs> and I went, oh, fucking hell, you're on an open mat. And I thought, I can't have this. So he kicked me, he grabbed him straight right to the head and took his legs. And he said, um, Legal moves. You're disqualified. <laughs> I went, he said, um, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. He ended up beating me in um, 21 19 because he, he learned to just kick, counter kick, counter distance. And because I'm small, I had no chance. <laughs> and then um, I had to do high kicks and I got a letter through off the um, Olympic, the IOC and how they know the selection process. Um, thank you for your cooper- cooperation and we, we admire your joy. <coughs> yeah. However, the sport is not suited for you. <laughs> like, no. thank you very much. But Did you feel it wasn't suited for you either? Yeah, yeah. I ju- just thought, you know what? Jump in, you throw yourself in yeah. and just have a go. Stuff like that, take hands all where you've got to like kick and run. Basically, yeah. and counter and move and counter. Yeah, it's, like, not, it's like it's not my cup of tea. I like. wanted to stand there and pick someone up and slam them. Onto yeah, their you need to get you need that like that that closeness, don't you? Yeah. That so, so I was happy then. Exchange of blows. I thought you know all these losses and little things I've done in life. It's not a loss. It's yeah. a, it's it's not even a learning curve. It's just it's an adaptation to say how can you better yourself? Oh, you might have lost that, but there's always a reason behind the loss. When you win. You, you forget you've even what you've done after time. You don't go back. You always go back on your losses. Yeah. So hence in life, when you open a chapter of one book, you close. People think that you've failed because you've done one thing. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'll just go and have another go with that. I'll try that one. If I fail, well, that's not a fail. I'll just have a go with that. Then. You know what, though, Brian? You, 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 you've gone from one extreme to another extreme. Yeah. You, you just go, I'm, I'm going to do this. <laughs> open my own business, electrical yeah. business. I'm like, yeah. What do you know about this? See, that, that's 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 someone who's like um, career motivated. Yeah. No, no matter what, you you know you're gonna try something different. If you don't try something, you know you, you'll never know if you fail or you succeed. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So then I learned out about accounts with the company, and I was like, yeah. who who does accounts? Because I can't I can't add up to a hundred. I can't. I think a thousand is it hundreds? I can't. Literally, I'm, I'm bad with numbers. And the accountant who we got touch with the success plan, she goes, "This is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it." And the accountant becomes your best mate. And I was like, "Right, um, so you're on more best name terms with your accountant than your actual business partner." Yes. And then I thought, I "Don't want to be an accountant. That's not my job. I won't throw myself in the deep end of that." Oh, you're gonna be good at maths, haven't you? Really? Yeah. To be <laughs> no chance. That I'll be useless at that. So, what? Um, what was the decision to sort of give you? I know money was a, a, yeah. a, a big factor, but what to was, me, was it? Was it the injuries? Was it the fact that you had you gone through a process, Brian? Of like, because I felt I had I'd gone through like this, 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 like it was a full circle because it was all my life I was fighting. Yes, yeah, right? in one area or other, it was always fighting something, and I was always fighting against myself mm. in the end, you know, and. Um, I got to this point where I thought, you know what? I remember this kid saying to me, you know, surrender. And I grew up on 80s action hero movies, you know, like yeah. no, sur- no retreat, no A-wall, surrender. Yeah, yeah AWOL, you know, all that gear. And um, to me, that was just something that just was alien, surrender. It comes, all you want to do, like, is, like, I, I like the fact that I'm out of breath. Like, I do marathons and I don't train for them. Literally, honestly, God, the last marathon I was with Darren, um, training bodybuilding, and then it, I think it was the half marathon, the Liverpool half, and I'd done it in two hours ten. Yeah, I remember you I telling ha- me. Yeah. I haven't ran for five months, but for, for a week later, my legs were wiped out. And I like to think of the concept of not training for something because it's it's not not fighting wise. You got to train for fighting. So you have you got to train for everything. Yeah, but yeah. Because of the army, I was already mentally prepared to go through wherever I need to go. Hence, I run, I've, I've run all my life. I might not be fit to run now, but my brain is is that, that sharp to run. I could go through the pain. Even to run half marathons without any yeah, running. I, I, I like the pain of 
over your body feel like it's shutting down yeah and how you can just go oh, i'm in the shit here how are we going to get on with it and it's only when you come back after it you go well i never surrendered i never never give in so we can do it again it's you know what you know like like mental health where goes about a lot on it people yeah. talk about that and mental well-being and you know, do you ever feel it's because um, that's not really too keen on that way. To be fair, you know, like mental health, and because it, it it's it's quite broad, it's isn't it? It's a stigma now. It's a stigma now. Yeah. It's like it used to like you know you could tagline oh we're mental health and people want to listen, yeah. but the reality of it is right. We all suffer from some sort yeah. of like trauma or mental yeah. health. We're all someone else's rejection. Yeah, right. This is a big one, right? We're all someone else's rejection. We're all someone else's kind of. Like bad experience, and we've had all that. Mm. But I feel right. This is just me personally, right? That I can't go through life and travel through life and, and, and stay on my journey, like constantly going on about oh, I suffer this and I suffer that, right? Because we're, we're blessed with a few short decades, right? Right? It's about maintaining like positivity and, and, and confidence. And I know I, I, I sort of like I'm, I think about my age and like I think about my future. I project. I don't. Live in the moment, the yeah. best of times. Kind of factors, you're yeah. Thinking of I, factors, yeah. I, I, I sort of visit the past a lot. Yeah. Project a lot into the future and avoid the now, the moment. I can't. Well, I'm kind of the opposite to the past is 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 gone. Yeah. The future is there and now is where I'm living. Yeah. Um, how can I be the best now? That's exactly what right Eckhart Tolle. Right. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of Eckhart Tolle. Mm. He's uh, the power of now. If you ever get the chance to read it, I'd suggest you read it. It's brilliant. Um, and he's about being in the moment, right? Mm. And you've just described the past is is gone, the future's not here. We can worry about stuff that's not happened. Yeah. You know, we can... I learned a lot with fighting. Yeah. Fighting, yeah. It's it's in the future. Mm. When you're competing for a fight, um, I'm thinking three fights I could be in the UFC. And you're forgetting there's a, there's a man standing in front of you ready to go through you. And I'm going, UFC's there. And you get beat. You're three fights back. And then, because your brain's so focused, I'm thinking, six fights down. Yeah. You might lose the other fight. You're, okay, you're nine fights down. And you're thinking, your brain won't, won't click on the Register fact that. that. Register the fact that. Focus on what's in front of you. Yeah. So after that, that's how I, that in now life, I think, now, what's, how can I live now? What's the best for me to go? that direction is that direction possible yes but is it going to be beneficial in the long run no yeah. so focus on now to leap, leapfrog to there yeah so leading back to like the mental health and the well-being and trauma and you dealt with most of it through fighting yeah now you're on you're in Chevy Street you know you're working so what do you do because you've probably wired <laughs> up the same as me Brian I know you're a um what do you do to to maintain that focus and that positivity? Exercise. It's it's my only way out. If I if my head fell off the other day, I think it was about um, not the other day, a couple of months ago. Now with the Afghanistan and mm. people are saying it's what what we've given is for nothing. And but when we were there, we've done a good job, and that's focusing on what the time at that. Well, now that the Taliban has swept back over, you mean you've wasted yeah. all? So, but no, it's not a waste because <coughs> at that time. Life moves on. Mm. We we done well for that time, and then so my my mental game is to focus. If I didn't have exercise in my life, any way, shape, or form, yeah, no, I agree. Your head falls off. For me, that's um, I agree. I feel as if you know, wake up, it sets me up for the day. Mm. You know, we see each other in the gym, yeah, quite often, quite early, yeah. Um, it's done, it's dusted. You can get on with the rest of your day mm. with that positive mental attitude. For me. I feel if I don't, I start to regress. Yeah. I start to focus on my weight. Past. You uh, go to the past. Oh, I live. I live in. Um, yeah. I live in the past. I can't concentrate on anything that's in front of me, like the TV. Yeah. You know. But when I train, you know, you, the, the natural body endorphins. Mm. I suggest it to anyone if you're struggling, yeah, right? 100%. Whether you know, and, and we under, I understand that the people who, who are out there who watch this that can't physically actually uh, do any training but you can there's always a way to bit of movement even if it comes down to like lifting a tin of beans if you if you feel like you're better than a tin of beans that, that little bit of exercise or 
if you can't walk, find another way. What I fought once, um, I snapped my kneecap. Yeah. When I snapped my kneecap, I was um, I tried to do a marathon, training to go to Russia to fight in Russia. Um, I got kicked in the kneecap. Regardless, my kneecap went. I had a f- my leg was in a full full leg cast, and um, so the first two days, it's all about self pity and doubt. And so I got myself up, and I used to go crutches to two miles to the gym, lift weights, upper body, and then go go up along the stairs on my bum to get up because I didn't want to get the lift. That's how like stubborn I become. And did you feel good about just doing something, putting that yeah, effort in? Yeah, so I felt there's always a way to do it. Me mate James Rose, he, mm. he, an ID hit him and he lost his legs. He's now climbed Kilimanjaro on his hands with his pins. I've heard of that fella, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's him. He's done a lot of him. So he's called Kilimanjaro. I think he's done Snowden or more. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do know him because I've sent him a message. Yeah. Um, I was contacted by a friend of his. Mm. And... I looked at what he was doing and I thought this is a powerful I was in I was in, in platoon with him in training. And he lost both his legs. Yeah. And he was he was the bit he's run a mile and a half in like seven thirty. He was he was one of the one of the, the best blokes. He still is. Yeah. Well, because he's he's just adapted and thinking, I'm not gonna let that get on top of me. I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna make sure that that mind overpowers. And we all have glips, we all have we all have hiccups along the way, but it's managing to just go fuck this, just go through it. Today I'm gonna to be the man, and whatever you do, if you're, even if it means you gotta walk the shop to be the man, go to the gym, fight those demons, tell that demon mm. in the car to fuck off, yeah. and focus on just killing whatever you got. So do. what what are your hopes for your bodybuilding career? Because you you're on a diet now, are you? Well, I'm on a bulking phase. I've never had to eat in my life. I've always tried to diet and main keep myself so tight and shape. But now I'm allowed to eat and lift weights. I'm like, fucking hell, what's happening here? Have you put weights on? Yeah, I've put 10 kilos on since so June till September. I've put 10 kilos on and it's kind of unheard of. How, and then Darren said, like, it's because you're eating, you've restricted your body intake, your food intake that much. Yeah. Now you can eat. I've just gone, whoa. I went from a small to a medium to large clothes and my hips have stayed the same. So I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. What's, so my what, aspirations is to get on stage. Is that, is that you, you, and I believe you will. Yeah. I believe you will, Brian, because I'm not, you... Not, whatever way that journey takes me, I've got no plans. But for now, it's just to get on stage, hopefully later on in the end of next year, when I'm in good enough, Nick, and if I win, just say, I'll come to come to points, come to a turning road in my life. Mm. But I'm not going to say it yet. Because I don't want to say it about with regards to fighting, because mm. there's always that one fight left. Yeah, there's always so my plan for now is get on stage in a pair of in the thong, a pair of undies, and flex. And how's life? How's life today with the family? Good. Um, my daughter does gymnastics. She's training with the city of Liverpool. My wife's saying um, they're the rocks of your family, aren't they? So whatever she says goes. Happy wife, happy life. At the yeah. end of the day. Well, that's a good. That's a good point. So we. I always say this coming to the end. Right. What would you say? Any pearls of wisdom, by the way, uh, to a young Brian Clayton coming through the doors of life? What would you say to him? A fighting world, army world, any world, business world. Just, <laughs> just, just coming through those doors of life. Just what would you say to a younger version of yourself? I'd say, uh, <coughs> be, be listen to people who've been there and done it, because it's so easy to close the door on everyone and try and do it yourself. Listen to someone who's been there and done it and take notes in life. That's the best thing is to just listen. It's so easy not to listen. And being deaf, I've got to listen to the, the right ear anyway. So I tell the young Brian, So what, how, how, did you, how did you become deaf, by the way? With the GPMG. So these, these used to give us... Um, fibs, 50 millimetre bullets? 7.62. 7.62. So these used to give us fibs. And you just put them in your ear, squeeze them down. Obviously, when you're out on the ground, you're sweating with the heat. And it's not just in theatre, it's on exercises as well. And then they'd come out, or sometimes they'd stay in. Yeah. But the, it just wasn't adequate enough, and you'd have to listen and move around. So, yeah, that was it. That's how I become deaf. And then come back, wanting to move on with my career, hoping to um, train for selection or likewise, and I had no chance. No. There's door closed there, and then army is... So I was meant to go out. They said I'm off to get out in May, and then from then they said um, got a phone call. Just got married, phone call a weekend, long weekend, 
phone call saying um, you're out the army in November. I was like, oh, I got married in July. So and then so November, July till November, and they said, oh, just to let you know, um, your resettlement package, you've got four weeks to take it, and close the door on you again. We're on leave. So I was like, shit, what do we do? And then that's why I joined the taxis. Mm. From what that's point, yeah. So my brother left the army and he became a bus driver. And this yeah. is like he, he. My dad's a bus driver. My dad was in the army. He's um, he'd been in in the army, Brian. I know we've just gone a little bit over, but he was in the the army for over twenty seven years. There's no help. There really isn't no help, and I think. I think he got an army pension, and that was it. And, and that yeah. was. Well, I don't. I don't know if he's a bus driver now. I think he he's, he's moved on to something else. But I think yeah, the help would be just. No, just give someone like, because you think everyone when you come out the army is in the army, and then they might not be, but you think that everyone who you meet, oh, he's a good lad, he's a good lad, and then people in this life are just yeah. turning their backs on you. And then I think what you need is just a bit of support system, which you go to help for heroes, and there's no support system. They're all happy to put the, the cash in the pockets, but they're not happy to give you support or give you, give you a bike that you need to... So, so get give some sort of exercise. So, what do you think of these? Um, just going off track a bit more. These these young homeless kids do it on the streets because I've seen a few, you know, in Liverpool, and they've got cards, ex servicemen. Yeah, do you know um, there's a man who, who goes out of his way, um, Nicholas Perry, the Veterans Lifeline, and he's the he, he was getting them. He helped me mm. at the start, and then getting people off the streets. And there's also one called the um, the Box, and that's I'm not too sure you might have seen it in Walton. Box. The block, sorry. The block. The no, block, yeah. That's another one. I never, I never there was one called uh, something Blue Apples. Remember, remember no, that no. one? Blue Apple Arrows. No, well, with the block, they they that just just opens up, and I'm I'm yet to meet them, but you hear so much about them, you c- can do nothing but promote them if that makes sense. Yeah. And they'll take people in. There's support systems there. I think that's where I need to go just to show me face, and even if it's to lend a hand. Mm. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about. Life in general now. So life in general now is um I've just cut stepped down as the director of the rewire team. Yeah. Um, that was the company that you were involved with. Yeah. So funny enough, I was sp- sponsored a couple of episodes. Yeah, you so did. Yeah. We were doing really well, and then I'm a professional. I don't really want to talk about business, but um, it's it was good to be in that environment. I've, I learned so much of like how to manage people, move people around. Um, giving people a bit of hope in life where some people might think as they work on a day-to-day, it's like just turning up with a coffee, how, how's your work going and you're doing well? And it, it also picks them them up. With, I, I haven't got a trade. My trade was uh, I'm a personal trainer and I've got massage, sports massage, fitness instructor. But I do also think that because I've jumped into the deep end of something else, I've I've learned, like I've took the bull by the horns and gone, how can I manage this? I've Never done accounts. I've never yeah. done, never done um, job sheets. Um, freaking hell, you name it. I've I've had to do everything and then network with people. I've never networked before. Never knew how to network. Do you feel though sometimes that because you we've been looking to that camera there, but I dad and lad, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, going on. <laughs> I remember getting a picture with you years ago and someone said, is that, you know, your son looks yeah. the, the image of you. I was like, fucking hell. It's only a few years now, man. A good, good, I good was few the um, Ain't Two Races. Yeah. No, but the first time we, we, we bumped into each other was but, in town. But do you ever feel that someone looks at you and makes a, a, a prejudgment on on who you are because of the way you look, you know? Yeah, 100% with so, a flat nose, you know, No intellect, you know no. what I mean? Yeah, when you talk, people go... A bit baffled, aren't they? You know what yeah, I mean? It's like, like you're quite articulate. You can you articulate yeah. what you need to say, get it across, or you, convey a message. It's good in some 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 parts of life because you can get a lot of th- get into town or if you no, go, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> you go, you're you're all right, or you were fighter and you know you're well yeah. known. And then some parts of I've turned up to I've, I've got a pair, got glasses. So when I go to meetings, I put the glasses on. I seen you with your glasses on yesterday yeah. on socials. I was going to comment and say you look like something like Joe Nighty. <laughs> you did. You look like a young Joe Nighty. So do you feel it's a coping mechanism as well? Because I do. Right, right. I go into town, and someone will come up and go, "Oh, you know, you look like a bit of a tough customer." I don't feel like a tough customer. Mm. 
Same, yeah. Right, I feel like I'm just it's a normal. Front, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a front. Um, I'm not, I'm not afraid to yeah. go into that arena with anyone, but I don't want to. It's kind of like him. Um, it's a, it is for me. It's, it's sort of like back at home. If I was back at home, uh, Brian, I, Brian, home, Brian is the Discovery Channel. He's a geek. He yeah. got he's got Lego. He had makes things up and plays with the daughter, family man. But yeah. as soon as I come out that door, I put this mask on yeah. to say persona and keep away. Don't come near me. And it's it's sort of like you got to take that mask off and yeah. be yourself sometimes. Yeah, because you walk around like a ball of bad way. You don't even realize it. Yeah. I had that like that experience years ago where people had avoided me, and I feel really lonely, Brian. Yeah, I had a lad in town. Um, just come out the toilet. Um, I bought a drink and he, the first words is, he said, never met him before in your life, you're always ready, aren't you? <coughs> and I said, what do you mean? He says, you are always ready. So, and then it made me reflect on myself then and think, he's probably, he's just, as you say, he's Perce- just judging his perception, yeah, yeah. But then in my mind is, um, fighting, um, tossing, um, sleeping at the other end of the bed, my house is my castle, I've got to defend things. And yeah, I am always ready. But then it's it's when people speak to you. Like I got speaking to the lad and he said, I'm sorry for judging you. He said, but you just look like one of them people who were always ready to do or do or go about whatever way you need to. Just so, that, and I'll just that make you feel at times. Lonely. Yeah. Massively, but sometimes it's nice being alone. Just go and have a cup of coffee, people watch. Yeah. So I don't mind that, but then... On the other end of the scale, your circle of mates are very small. I had someone say something to you the other day, and it wasn't, you know, it was probably the way, you know, reflected in the way I looked at that moment. It was like he said, You look very intense. I didn't know this kid at all. I said, How come you're not smiling? What's going on with you? You know, what I'm about. And um, he went, Oh, you look very intense. And I thought, He's probably right because I was tired. Yeah. When I'm tired, I've got nothing. There's nothing there. You know, I look like I can't be asked with anyone. Yeah. It's because I'm probably can't be asked with anyone. Yeah. Um, I can be quite abrupt. Yeah. Shut you down. Mm. And, and put a full stop on things. I think when I was in the gym. I do feel bad about it. On the other day, so I was in the gym and you're focused. You, you, you've got a plan in your head and you're yeah. doing this and you're doing that. So I come down the stairs and I seen a family friend, spoke to her and her son was there and she speaks to me, girl, and she says, oh, um, I said, why didn't you come and train? Or why do, I, I said, to, said to Amanda, why don't you come and train with me? She says, you, you're, like you say, you're intent, you're intense. They don't want to intrigue in what you're doing. I said, intrude, yeah, yeah intrude if, they, if they stop me and said, hey, can you help? You go, yeah, okay. You just, I said, you drop your guard. No, I had a few, I had a message, I read the message, said, I seen you and your brother the other day out in the... I wanted to say hello, but I didn't want to intrude. I thought, oh, mate, just pop over, yeah. say hello. It's nice. Jump in a pit, yeah. Be nice, it, yeah. you know. Um, um, it's nice to be nice, isn't it? It is, you know, yeah. because there's too many people out there that are above the streets and houses. I think it's always good to just say to someone, I've done it through time and time again. If you're sitting there on your own having a coffee, I hear how's your day? Yeah. And it just knocks someone back. Oh, yeah. Like, why is he talking to me? And you're like, hi, yeah. What's his agenda? What's his motive? You know? Yeah, and you're just there just being happy. You're like, have a good day. Oh, Tarano. So it's manners cost nothing. And it's nice to be nice with people. Some That's people, so, Someone said that to me, you know, a while back. It is nice to be nice. And uh, sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it, Bill. Yeah. You know, I've said it. It's not, it's not what I say. Imagine saying to someone, have a good day. And then on the same concept, have a nice day. Yeah, it's completely changes. It's the, it's, it's, it's not see yeah. it's, it's, it's that goes to what you say and not how you say it. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you've got to get through it. So I think to be fair though, it's we've been on the receiving end of judging everybody else. Yeah, and we've had to. And people say you don't judge people, but you do to survive. You know, I'll judge whether you're good in my life. Yeah, or you're. It, gonna, so I think a lot of people have are on the, on the framework is what can they do for me? Yeah. Whereas just having a mate in general is loyalties. Yeah, loyalty mm, is, is massive. Yeah. And then now it's, it's loyalty, trust, and a lot of people are thinking, what, how can he be my mate, and what what good is he to be a mate for me? Where you can just be a mate to anyone and say hello to anyone, it, it doesn't hurt or cost anything, does it? There's a book called the the Road Less Travelled, right? And it talks about um, what 
is the meaning of love, right? Because it was always always a big question for mm. people. What does it mean? Are you lust? You know, are you infatuated? Are you just obsessed with someone? Mm. You know, what does it mean? And it simply means um, giving a piece of yourself to someone else without any motives. Yeah. You know, offering a service. The universe, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, yeah, the low dress travel, but I enjoyed that read. Um, so, yeah, we're coming to the end of the podcast. I've enjoyed the chat. It's been different. You know, I've been wanting to get you on for a while. You're an hard man to catch. Pins <laughs> on with all yeah. the, you're a busy bee. Um, but thanks for coming on, Brian. It's important to uh, carry that message of, you know, hope and perseverance. Tell us any pearls of wisdom before we finish. Yeah, just listen to the listen to people who've been there and done that. Yeah. So other than that, it's like keeping it simple. So keep it that's the simple. Listen to people who've got the experience. Your predecessors. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. You know, it's it's, it's a big thing when you're young and you're full of arrogance, aren't you? You've yeah, got that, that air so of youth. Tunnel vision. Yeah. You don't, no one can sell you how to train. No yeah. one can sell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know better. Yeah, I was there myself and yeah. everything. Just listen to people, it's so easy to do. In hindsight, I wish I had that. So I could look back and go, okay, I'd stay there and listen to someone and guide me. Yeah. Especially through training. Get a mentor in life and yeah. listen to the mentor. Again, it's, it comes down to listening. Yeah, brilliant. And with that, Brian, thank you. Thanks very much. <laughs>